Mommy, look, look, so filled with excitement, so eager for her response. Now, mom's trying hard not to burn dinner. Her timer is going off. Her hands are full and she's very focused right this minute. So she says firmly, not right now, honey. Your excitement immediately turns to feelings of disappointment and hurt. Welcome to the Covert Narcissism Podcast. I'm your host, Renee Swanson. Covert narcissistic parenting has a massive effect on our children. It leaves gaping holes in their development, which can haunt them for the rest of their lives. And they have no clue in these early years. They don't see the abuse at these young ages, but they certainly feel it. Kids aren't stupid. They know how they feel. They experience their feelings, even though maybe they can't verbalize them just yet. They know when they feel loved and when they don't. They know when they feel accepted and when they don't. When they feel validated and when they don't. But they are missing one key ability. They are missing the ability to lay blame where blame belongs. There seems to be a pre-written script that will play out in most of these kids' lives, if not all of them. They will blame themselves, and this self-blame is so incredibly damaging. I'm Renee Swanson, your host of the Covert Narcissism Podcast. If you are watching this on YouTube or listening to this podcast, wherever you are today, please hit that subscribe button, that follow button, so that you can stay current on the material that we are providing. But not only that, you then help us to spread the word to more people. You are vital in this mission to reaching our world of people just like you who are living in this nightmare. Thank you so much for joining me. We are doing a little mini series on uh, the kids of covert narcissistic parents, the effect that this has on them and how to help. So why does this script play out? There's like this pre-written script that kids who are living under a narcissistic parent, they have a script that plays out that they will blame themselves. Well, I want you to picture four-year-old you. Now, you've just made a masterpiece of a drawing. In your eyes, this is like like this belongs in an art museum. And you're so eager to show mom. Well, mom is busy cooking dinner. And maybe she's got several pots on the stove. She's got her hands full. And she's like, you know, trying to hurry to get this done or that done. And here you come running in with your picture. Mommy, look, look. So filled with excitement. So eager for her response. Now. Mom's trying hard not to burn dinner. Her timer is going off. Her hands are full and she's very focused right this minute. So she says firmly, not right now, honey. Your excitement immediately turns to feelings of disappointment and hurt. Now, this does not make mom a bad person. She can prioritize the meal right that moment. In fact, you want her to. You just don't know you want her to. It's okay for her to be focused on this. But four-year-old you does not understand that. At these young ages, we do not know how to lay blame where blame belongs. So we walk away feeling unseen, unheard, that we don't matter, and that we aren't good enough. 
No one gets through childhood without some of these wounds. These leave gaping holes inside of us and this internal dialogue will play out to some extent or another for all of us. I'm not good enough. I don't matter. Nobody cares. When you have parents who are aware of this and sensitive to this, then they can help you through these years of development. They can help you through these thoughts and these feelings. Kids do need to learn that they are not the center of the universe. But this takes time, patience, and understanding. Parents who are emotionally regulated themselves, they're better equipped to help their children understand these feelings and to work through them. I'm not saying that we should just drop everything and take care of our kids' needs the minute they have this feeling or that feeling and tend to everything, you know, right at that moment. This would only build their internal belief that they are the center of the universe, and that could potentially put them on a path of narcissistic behavior. There is a balance that we work to find tending to our children's emotional needs, teaching them to be sensitive to the needs of others and sensitive to their own feelings too. Even in a home with two emotionally regulated parents, this balance is tough to find. And it's very hard to maintain. You're constantly making adjustments here. It takes a lot of effort. And we learn a lot along the way. There is nothing in life that's taught me more about myself than being a parent. But when you add narcissistic parenting to this scene, this becomes a complete nightmare. You have one parent that is completely self-focused with no sensitivity to the child's feelings. And I mean none at all. And in fact, this parent doesn't have sensitivity to your feelings either. So you have one parent as a narcissistic parent, and you have the other parent who is scrambling, constantly trying to help, to anticipate, to clean up and fix everything. This parent is often overcompensating for the damage being done by the narcissistic parent. And so at the same time, also this parent in their own relationship with the covert narcissist, is experiencing that self-focused lack of sensitivity from their partner. So everyone around this covert narcissist is feeling not good enough, not important, not valued. We're feeling broken and worthless. And it's incredibly difficult to help our children through all of this when we're under attack too, when our feelings don't matter as well. So in this situation, Many victims of covert narcissistic spouses are not emotionally regulated themselves, and as such, their help to the kid is limited. So how does this damage show up in our children? The first example of this is their internal turmoil. Children need to experience that their caregivers have their best interest at heart. Without this, they cannot experience emotional safety. Their first experience of emotional safety comes from you. It comes from their parent, and it's vitally important to their emotional growth. It's natural from birth to trust. A baby trusts its caregiver. What choice does it have? This is instinctual, and it makes sense, but when they cannot, this puts that child in a massive bind. It is the birth of an explosive internal emotional conflict which can last for the rest of the child's life. If they cannot trust their caregivers, who can they trust? They will have an extremely difficult time trusting themselves. It becomes nearly impossible, which leads us to the second way that this damage shows up, which is self-doubt. 
the gaslighting that these youngsters experience from the covert narcissistic parent has a massive effect on their ability to trust anyone, including themselves. They may fight self-doubt and self-blame for the rest of their life. Back to the script that I said plays out in the child's brain, which is, I'm not good enough. When children grow up believing this and having it constantly reinforced to them, it's so damaging to the point of being disastrous. What do they experience inside of themselves? This is what they experience. My heart is telling me that something is wrong, but my heart's never been right before. I've always seen it wrong before. Why do they believe this? Because that's what their parent has told them. So they internalize, well, why should I trust my heart now? I'm probably seeing it wrong. And they believe I can't tell it to anyone. No one ever is going to get it. No one ever believes me. No one cares anyways. So they shut down. They build a wall between themselves and others. And in this warped sense of self-doubt, they often look for reassurance in the wrong places. Destructive relationships, addictions, self-harm, self-sabotaging behaviors, and even manipulating other people's sympathy and emotions. You see, with that self-doubt, they don't believe that others will love them for themselves. So they believe that they have to manipulate or control others in order to find love. And they will work to control what others think of them in order to be loved. Well, this leads to the next way that the damage shows up. A warped perception of love. For this child, the thoughts that occur often subconsciously might sound like this. My parent loves me. They say they do. Everyone else tells me that they do, including the non-narcissistic parent. So they must love me. This must be what love feels like. That's the danger right there. When they start to believe that this is what love feels like. Well, what does it feel like? Unstable? Ever-changing? Conditional? With one person in charge and them submissive? Walking on eggshells, watching what they say, guarded? These behaviors have become normalized for the children. They start to learn and truly believe that they cannot be themselves. So when these behaviors are present in a current relationship, they do not see them as wrong. They don't see them as manipulative, abrasive, and harmful. It's just a normal part of love. Their red flag radar is broken. So not only do they have a warped perception of love from others, they often have a warped perception of their own sense of love. Love is when others are giving me attention. So I have to work on keeping everybody focused on me. So this can play out in a codependent path or a narcissistic path. This plays out in kids when they start acting out in negative ways to grab the attention of their caregivers. Another way that this damage shows up is difficulty trusting their own feelings and instincts. Trusting a parent's guidance eventually leads a child to be able to trust themselves. And if they cannot trust the parent, they will almost certainly struggle to trust themselves. Back to that script that plays out. A parent who feeds a child the belief that they are not good enough, they will blame themselves. And if the child was magically able to be emotionally regulated and be able to, you know, lay the blame where the blame belongs and be mature, then they would trust their own perception over their parents' perceptions. They would lay the blame where it belongs and not on themselves. But kids can't do this. Instead, they will trust their parent. 
but this trust is misplaced. Their feelings and their instincts will not line up with this trust, so they never actually learn what trust is. They don't learn how to trust. So they don't trust their parent, they don't trust others, and they don't trust themselves. When a person cannot trust their own feelings or instincts, they are going through life like a buoy that came unattached under the water. It's not anchored below, and that buoy that's not anchored down is vulnerable to all the waves. You see, a buoy that is anchored, when the waves come through or the the current is pulling this way or that way, it will stay mostly in one spot. The waves may push it around, sure, but it's anchored. It has stability. But when the buoy becomes unanchored, it's completely vulnerable to the waves. These waves are going to push it in whichever direction they want. That buoy will become lost. Nowhere to be found. It might be pushed out to sea or maybe it's caught in a whirlpool. Maybe it's stuck in stagnant water under the rocks somewhere or maybe it's even smashed on those rocks. Someone who is not anchored within themselves, trusting themselves, their own thoughts and their own feelings and their own perceptions, they are vulnerable to the waves of life. They are at risk of so many dangers. They have no stability and are just floundering around in this huge ocean. Another way that this damage shows up is the self-sabotaging behaviors. Extreme personal demands, living up to perfect standards, and even a false image can cause them to start self-sabotaging, knowing that they can never line up to these expectations anyways. These kids will consciously and subconsciously replay the repeated messages of their covert narcissistic parent. You don't understand. You just don't get it. You aren't good enough. You can't live up to my expectations. I remember a conversation with my son when he was repeating his dad's words. His dad's words that he had internalized all of his life. Dad always told me that I can't do anything right, so clearly I can't ever do anything right. And I said to him, hey, I count here too. Those were not words you heard from me. My words mattered as well. You've done so many things amazingly well, and I have told you that repeatedly. He quietly responded, Mom, the negative words are just stronger than the positive ones. They just count more. It made me wish that I had yelled my positive words to him. Okay, that clearly wouldn't have worked. I think that would have backfired as well. But that's that's how I felt at the time. While I know this would not have changed anything, the thought certainly crossed my mind. How do we get our children to hear the positive feedback? How do we get them to hear that at least is equally important as that negative feedback, especially in the midst of an abusive and turbulent environment? When our kids are convinced that they are inherently bad, worthless, or less than, the self-sabotaging behaviors certainly show up. What does this look like? Forgetting to do schoolwork assignments, oversleeping and missing school or missing work, getting lost in video games in order to hide from the world, distancing from a friend until they get mad and leave the friendship. All of this is self-sabotaging behaviors. So how do we help these kids of ours? You are going to find all sorts of parenting advice out there, on the internet, from family and friends, from therapists and counselors, and so on. Probably more than you even want. Some advice will be helpful, and some won't. I am putting together some very specific ways to help our kids 
when dealing with a covert narcissistic parent. That episode is coming very soon. In the meantime, I want to tell you something. Please listen to your heart. You have your own background of struggling to trust your own heart for whatever reason. Your kids need you to trust your own heart. As you do, you are showing them the way to trust their own heart too. As you hear different types of advice, listen to your heart. Try the parts that resonate with you. But if you don't find something helpful, don't waste your time on it. There's no time to waste. We are all different and different things will resonate with each of us. Don't spend time on the things that don't speak to your heart or to the hearts of your kids. Move on to the ones that do. The same is true for your kids. Just because this professional says this or that family member says that, it does not make it right for you and your child. Consider it, of course, but ultimately you decide for yourself and trust your heart. You know your child's heart. Their heart comes directly from you. I wish you and your children so much peace on your journey of healing. You have been listening to the Covert Narcissism Podcast with your host, Renee Swanson. Be sure to check out our website at www.covertnarcissism.com. There you will find many resources just for you to help you on this journey. You can also reach out to me by email at Renee, R-E-N-E-E, at cnglifecoaching.com. Those letters are C-N-G as in Covert Narcissism Group. I do look forward to hearing from you. I wish you so much peace on your journey of healing. The information provided by Renee Swanson and the Covert Narcissism Podcast is for educational purposes only and is not to be used for diagnosis purposes and not intended to be a substitute for clinical care. Please consult a healthcare provider for guidance specific to your case. This material discusses narcissism in general. It does not claim that any specific person has narcissism and should not be used to refer to any specific person as having narcissism. Permission is not granted to link to or repost this material to support an allegation or a claim that any specific person is a narcissist. That would be an unauthorized misuse of the material and information provided.